What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Lunchroom Cypher podcast. My name is Dr. Ian Levy. I'm your host. We're here to talk about counseling, development, education, all through hip-hop. It's going to be a dope time. There are many uh, things to be covered in this episode. We're specifically looking at college counseling, and by that I mean actual counseling on college campuses, right? What happens to our young people when they graduate from high school and go to college campuses? What sorts of supports exist for them that thoughtfully integrate hip-hop-based approaches? Thankfully, uh, although they're not everywhere, and there are certainly lots of issues in, in, in college systems across America, there are some really, really dope people doing some incredible work, and we get to highlight them. So on this episode, we're going to bring on three college counselors from the West Coast who are amazing. They're going to talk in detail about their work. But what's important to note here is that although we had this date on the calendar, by the time that it rolled around, we actually were engaging in the recording session on the very day that we heard of DMX's passing. And so we called an audible, as we do in hip-hop, to open up with a conversation that celebrates DMX and then pulls some really powerful components of, of his life and his legacy that are rooted in hip-hop and the power of hip-hop to then compel or propel what it is that we need to be doing with young people on college campuses across the country. And so without further ado, I'm going to ask the guests to introduce themselves. Yeah, man. My name is Nate Novato, general counselor at Skyline College, coordinator of the Cypher Hip-Hop Learning Community and founder of Rock the School Bells. What's up, y'all? Kim Devalos, Promise Scholars Counselor over at Skyline College as well, also on the Rock the School Bells Advisory and teach the leadership course for the Cypher Learning Community. Peace, y'all. Uh, my name is Adam Freeze. Uh, people call me Freeze. Anyways, um, I am a community college uh, counselor at Sacramento City College. I'm also a doctoral candidate, University of Pacific, uh, and I'm an artist. So let's get it. Yeah, it's so dope to have all of you here. Um, it's been a long time coming. I know we just rocked out together on that Rock the School Bells virtual event very recently, which was super dope. Um, and I know that our, our intention coming into this conversation today is to really think about the work that you all have been doing for quite some time now uh, in the college counseling arena and think about how hip-hop pervades that space. And then I'm thinking about how as a, as a school counselor at K-12, through I sort of need to collaborate or that school counselors generally need to collaborate more effectively and efficiently with folks on college campuses so that we're doing this work seamlessly and transitioning um, youth into spaces that are going to further support their development once they leave high school and uh, and how hip-hop is is everything for that and I know you all have a ton of ideas that I'm excited to get into you know and and we were all on here right before we started the recording of this podcast because today is April Ninth, and we found out earlier today that DMX had passed. We knew that he was in a really tough spot for a few days. Um, now, right, he was on life support for a number of days, and today we found out that um, unfortunately he passed. And so I just felt, and we all felt really, that 
the best way to kind of start off this episode, which deviates a little bit from the traditional structure that we've had on the first few shows, is actually that we're just going to start with some DMX because um, we got to listen to him right now and just talk about talk about him because him and his presence and his work, I think, is going to be in the background of all of our minds throughout this dialogue and beyond. So we're just going to start with a little D and then we'll move forward with the conversation. We're just gonna break it down. What are some reactions that y'all have when you hear those those lyrics? I mean, first of all, um, I, I will say that um, you know God gave him a voice, that raspy voice, so we would never, ever, ever, ever forget him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I, I, as I was just listening to his verses and just hearing the raspiness, it's like there's no voice out there just like that. And so you know, you know, rest in power, DMX. That song really for me. Um, you know, I was sharing earlier, just really helped me humanize the man, yeah. DMX, right? You know, we've heard so many different songs about his stories and, and the fact that he was able to lead off that verse as, as someone who identified as a family man who loved his yeah. kids. And oftentimes when we think about our own black and brown communities, we don't ever get to hear those stories. And so for me, I, I'm so thankful to kind of be able to be part of this experience to lead this this experience with that song, because I think it's very important for us to really humanize the individual who's behind the raspy voice that gave us those mm-hmm. hard stories of his neighborhood and the experiences that he he uh, experienced. So, man, that love. It's that complexity, right? Like we know that people are not just what we think they are, right? Like he is all of who he is, and that's I think why a lot of folks love DMX was that he was like unapologetically who he was. And you hear that, you hear that in this song. So you hear the hard stuff, but, but you also hear a lot of other positive things and that resilience. I'm sure we'll get more into that in a second, but like, yeah, that, that complexity is ringing through for sure. I agree too. And it was, it's the, what I love about DMX and this was a good example of it that we chose is even in the, the, the beat and the lyricism, right? How he goes, the night, the right, the ups, the downs, trials, tribulations, how he goes back and forth, like it bounces mm. in the duality that DMX just exists in. Oof. He is a walking contradiction. And yeah. that's what I think is so dope about him. We were listening to the Rough Riders anthem and even into that, that example, like it sounds, when you listen to it, and that's why we love it, right? If you don't really try, if you don't listen to the lyrics, you're just yeah. like, you're hype and you have a good time. Um, that we play that at parties, right? We play that at jams. But if you listen to the lyrics, it's actually really dark and it's really yeah. deep. So how, how, it's so beautiful how DMS, DMX exists and what he will be known for in the hip hop legacy. 
as this idea of he can be both at the same time. Yeah. And that's something that I just really love about him and will continue to. You know, and Kim, I love what you what you started with because it, like just from an MC standpoint, like as I listen, it's almost like he has like the staccato, right? Like this breakup of just what he's bouncing through with like hard, sharp like pieces that match the beat, right? And it's 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 this thing that um I think about like who channels that, right? Like there's only a few people that channel that. And it's like, I think like MOP that like this just hard, like unstoppable energy that they present to to the, like to present to the world is like, this is what we have and nothing can stop them in with, with this, just the energy in the song, right? They don't even have to say that's what the, what it is, yeah. but it's like that, 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 that survival, right? That that gets presented just in the musicality of it, right? Not even getting into the lyrics to Kim's point, like before you even get to that. And I think that's where people yeah. like it it it's easy to say people like get lost in the beat and just like they're vibing from it from a party standpoint. But I think people find solace in that. They find like support and they find uh validation that like in the lyrics, he's talking about the struggle mm -hmm. in this dynamic, but he's also like sharing it in this like bulletproof delivery right that's just like all of that it's not going to stop and, and it's just so hard and i think yeah. people it gets it i think it's often presented to us in a moment where we can kind of like vibe and dance and, and party to it right but yeah. i think um you know i think about this like short clip that i that uh showed up my class sometimes and and i forget who i think it was chris emden that in the, the little clips of the different people speaking was like people dance their pain away or no maybe it was Charlie Ahern, I forget. But somebody was like, they, they danced their pain away, right? And I think that's what, like, that's offered. He offers that to us mm -hmm. in a way that, um, you know, you can easily get lost if you're just solely about, and and maybe it's not lost, right? It's just not articulated. It's it's, it's engaged in, in different ways, right? It, tra it transcends the lyrics. the lyrics. It transcends the lyrics. It's in the feel. It's communicated in the energy of the song because that yeah, staccato man. delivery is so important. And that's not just this song. That's across most of his songs. It's all right, about like, da-ba-duh, da-ba-duh, da-ba-duh. Like he just he like that's what he does. And so he's given you it. And even in that cadence, because that's a very simple one that he does all the time, he he has a way of accentuating and like growling and putting that raspiness in it so it hits and punches. Yeah. But it's so punchy and it's forward moving, right? What I think is really important. Like that verse yeah. is layered with like these are these really tough experiences I've been through. But even as he's enunciating them, he's literally moving through them in his cadence, right? So his cadence yeah. itself yeah. embodies the resilience. And right. so it's just like the that's what he is. And so I love that point. It's like it's it, you he doesn't have to say, I got this, because you just feel that he's got it. <laughs> you know, like in right. the way he's set like literally rhyming. It's it's like mad powerful that he he's allowing you to access this this transparency in in the way that you want to access it right so it's like whether you want to pay attention to the lyrics pay attention you feel the delivery the, the like the the, the integrate that like the blend that he his delivery and that's the beat kind of match and make sense of like there's so many different ways to access it and i think that's like huge if we think about counseling or even education it's like how do we create these different ways for students to access the same thing right but mm -hmm. access it on their terms yeah and it's like he's like Yo, really, literally models that in a banger. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
I think DMX too, he is a beautiful example of like how masculinity in hip hop is embraced, but you like, he'll like shout at you. That's why I think we yeah. all have joked about and love his uh, video where he sings or raps Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, and that's what we were talking about about him. He's so unapologetic, right? And who he is, he just is who he is. Like he wants to sing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Why can't he? And yeah. but he does it in his delivery, but he yeah. does it so like seriously, like he really wanted to sing that song, but in the way that DMX sings it. And yeah. that's who he is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I, I mean, on top of that, just 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 the enunciation of his voice. You know, I have cats always saying, "Why is he always yelling?" You know what I mean? Why is he so loud? And I think there's so something purposeful and so powerful for him to be so loud and, mm. and to be that way and to even enunciate the growl. Because you know, when I bark, when I hear his song, I want to bark. But there's something therapeutic and cathartic about me sure. barking. It makes me feel like there's all the things that the stress, the anxieties, the fears that kind of sheds off my my body because I'm yelling. But at the same time, it also amplifies the fact that many black and brown communities have been always traditionally silenced, right? Been in the background, right? You know what I mean? And so be able to be out in front, be unapologetic, to be loud and to be boisterous. That's what I loved about DMX. Because I mean, I don't, I'm hyped right now. So I'm, yeah. I'm not normal like this. You know what I'm talking about DMX. <laughs> yeah. Yo, and, and Nate, we've actually talked about like that in just reflecting on our different programming or like when you enter a space, like even just on campus, right? When you, even when you like, yo, we've gathered a bunch of hip hop educators and cats still somehow shift into this, like this, this reclusive kind of quieter than, than I need to be because the space has normed that for me. And I, mm. I generally exist that way when I'm on campuses most times, right? And so mm. just because it's a hip hop space, I've been so ingrained in that, that agreement that, you know, I, I bow down to it, even sometimes unintentionally, right? And then DMX is like, nah, like ah, we coming to get it, right? Yeah. We shaking it up. So, you know, that that is, I think it, he he offers that, that he invites that, right? No matter what your space is to like, nah, man, get back and, and be, you know, just visceral and, and sharing and he, then being live. He plays with like the exact thing that most people use to problematize right like the trope of hip-hop and, and and of black and brown communities is is loud equals dangerous or violent or like loud is bad right like th that that very simple um connection is made and what he says is like i'm gonna be loud and complex and all of me and show you that like the things that you think about me are are like not actually all of who I am, right? And like so it's it's the it's it's like playing with the trope um in such a powerful way that I think is so important cuz oftentimes that's what we get when we do hip hop work in spaces like the doors especially as counselors our doors are closed, confidentiality, we're not going to let you in here like we're going to be rocking out in this space. People walking down that hallway just hear loud noises coming from the room, and it's really easy. And I've I've felt this and and heard this directly from administrators and other teachers, where I'll get critiqued for like you know oh you're just like having fun and making hip hop music or like it's just loud in there like they're not doing anything like there's this assumption that the volume and the energy and the excitement and all the complexities can be dumbed down to just you know loud bad negative anti-intellectual not appropriate in school environments and what he's saying is let me take that exact thing and show you how valuable all of it is 
Mm-hmm. Word. Yeah. You know something else too. I, I that for me, from my perspective, that I love, and you know, when I saw the news this morning that he passed away, and I was just kind of like, I'm sure all of us were like watching his videos, listening to his music, reading mm-hmm. about him. What was the one that stood out to me was um, one of his songs that I love is um, the one he does with, in Romeo Must Die with Aaliyah. Is the song? It's one of my favorite mm-hmm. songs growing up. Um, it's like super underrated, not known, but I. I will always remember growing up how much he loved Aaliyah. And for me, as a woman and a woman of color that loves hip hop culture, that we know is steeped in misogyny, it was also a contradiction and beautiful to see this rough, like loud, big black man who just adored for a lot of like girls and females who also adored Aaliyah and to see how much he respected her, how much he highlighted her and after she passed away, how much it really affected him and how much he was open about that too, how he was grieving this dear friend and sister to him. Um, and I think that was a beautiful example again of how he was this contradiction within the culture. Mm-hmm. So it was, yeah, and to see them too, I was like, wow, that's yeah. so crazy to see that they both have passed away now. Yeah. Yeah, and, and hip hop seems to forever put us in this position of of being reflective of of time and of passing. I mean, it's just for a variety of reasons, right? Um, and so I think that's that's such a powerful point and a crazy point to think about. It's like, yeah, that video, both of those individuals are no longer with us, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And so I, I, I guess the question is like, bearing all of this conversation in mind about DMX, but but what he represents more largely for hip hop and, and for for people and, and especially the young people that we work with, like how does this inform what we do, you know, um, on on college campuses across the country? And and I really think that like your work, the work that all of you do, uh, is a prime example. Um, and so I'm so excited to dive into that because I think it naturally builds on a lot of these beautiful things that we know hip-hop has that DMX shows us regularly. And so can maybe we'll start with talking through the Cypher program, let the audience know kind of like what is it, you know, and, and what does this look like? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the Cypher, the Cypher Hip-Hop Learning Community is a program out in, in, in Skyline College that really provides an educational experience that's contextualized in hip-hop that allows students to take a set of courses, move along as cohorts um, that will, you know, attain a degree and or transfer. But to really talk a little bit about Cypher, I had to kind of step backwards a little bit and really understand more deeply why Cypher is even important on our college campuses, right? Mm -hmm. And I shared earlier um, about like, you know, how DMX sort of reminded me of students that I, in my very first cohort in 2014, when Cypher was was born, that these students were were taking three buses from the city all the way to Skyline mm. just to be part of Cypher, and a part of it was because one, it was hip hop, and then two, it provided them with a space of of belonging. Right, it allowed them to to be their authentic selves, and uh, when you think about all the studies that we hear about you know, of our black and brown communities, particularly our our male students of color, a lot of times they fall through the cracks because they don't see themselves in these institutions, right? They don't see themselves in the curriculum. They don't see 
counselors and teachers that look like them, mm-hmm. right? So for me, it was like, well, how do we begin to reimagine and recreate learning spaces, educational spaces where students can can earn a college degree or transfer, but while at the same time be their authentic selves? And um, and this was a direct result of the work that we've done with Rock the School Bells, which is our annual Bay Area Hip Hop Conference, right? Students would come over and be like, yo, Rock the School Bells is dope. I learned so much about the culture and elements of hip hop, but they get to the college and there was nothing there for them. Mm. And so there was this direct need that they needed some hip hop educational program like Cypher uh, to exist in these spaces. And, you know, um, at the time in 2014, we were the only community college um, at least west of the Mississippi that have programs specific around uh, hip hop. You talk about English courses, history courses, sociology, you talk about math courses, all of these courses that are contextualized in hip hop, but able to uh, uh, let them earn degrees and transfer. Mm. But the piece that I really appreciate about the work that we've done, we're rooted in, 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 in hip hop pedagogy. Everything mm-hmm. about hip hop pedagogy is about amplifying their experiences, their stories, um, uh, providing uh, opportunities where they can build with communities, leadership, all of that exists in our classroom spaces, but also in our counseling spaces. So Cypher has been around, what now, seven years now? Mm. And uh, we are in comparison to all of our learning communities, we're up there in terms of retention and success rates. So clearly there's something good happening in our classrooms. Yeah. And so, um, but at the end of the day, it's really, you know, building uh, places where they feel like they belong, they see curriculum, they see themselves in those curriculum. Um, so yeah, that's that's what Cypher is. Cypher is an acronym, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> C-I-P-H-E-R, it's the Center for Innovative Practices Through Hip Hop Education and Research. Mm-hmm. And so those letters were so intentional because we want to central our students. We want to be innovative in our practices. We want to be researchers, not just us as educators, but also our students. And, you know, Kim can talk a little bit more about the community course that we have, but we always believe that our students are scholars. They're legacy scholars. And we need to reframe the narrative when they come into this space to think that, yo, I am a student. I am a scholar Mm -hmm. when I'm in this space because they don't necessarily have those messages ingrained in their minds coming from their academic journeys. So, um, so that's a little bit about Cypher and, um, you know, yeah, it's, it's, I'm loving it. The students loving it. And, you know, we're, we're just, we're rocking, rocking. Right on. Yeah. And, and I'm sure, you know, others can, can, can build on that. Right. But for me, what I'm hearing, right. Is this acknowledgement of the need to provide spaces on college campuses for authenticity. Right. Uh, and how hip hop naturally affords young people that if we create that space, but also, to be able to create pockets on campus to see self as scholar and as legacy maker while also being hip hop, right? And not that uh, kind of what Adam was saying before. I don't have to, I don't have to be quiet or like not show parts of myself in order to be scholar. I can I can be all of me and scholar, right? And that that's kind of what I'm what I was hearing from what you were saying, which I I, I vibe with heavy. Yeah, one thing I throw on there, just thinking about the work and the collaborative stuff that we've done between the Skyline family and, and Cats out here at SAC. Um, it, or I've realized over the time with, from, from that, the collaboration and just the intentional work we do on our campus around hip hop is that 
you're not only like creating those, but everything basically you've reframed um, and of what Nate was saying, but you're also like undoing, right? This like, this, this programming that, that students have received in their K through 12 experience, right? They show up mm -hmm. as, as like experts on that programming, right? On that framework of, which is the piece you were highlighting, right? Is like, sit down, don't say nothing, right? Keep it low, unless you're reflecting the norm, which is you generally framed in whiteness, then you're problematic, right? Whether it's your language, the way you move, the way you think, the way you operate in space and how you'll be assessed, right? And the same thing, like, as we think about creating hip hop spaces on campus, you're not only, I imagine, not only aiming to, to create spaces to elevate and, and welcome and do all the work that like Cypher's doing or like school bells and, and all the different things that you're doing out there with the, with the recording studios on campuses, but you're also pushing back um, at the norm, right? Because when you, I can imagine, I ain't got to ask you, every time you've introduced this concept to administration or whoever's decision-making bodies, the, the, the assessment, obviously it goes through the, their, their lens of like, oh, okay, I get it. This sounds cool. Like from a faddish standpoint, right? And or some really just kind of um, something that's not as really valuable as like, like traditional content. And then, you know, like you get comments like, oh, are you going to like wrap the syllabus or are you going to, you know what I mean? <laughs> mm -hmm. Even with the best intention, like they literally have said that, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and so like that work is like multifaceted in the sense that it's, I think it's, it's wholeheartedly for the student, but it's also doing this other important work, which is sustaining your hip hop heads in terms of the faculty, staff and administrators that are, are you know, finding some, some level of support, which is often very isolating, especially if you're, you know, a, a faculty of color. And then you're also pushing back at the norms and standards of what is identified as being valued. Right. What is what is knowledge? Right. What is curriculum? What is things? What is what does that look like? And, and we're reimagining that in the face of, of a system that celebrates and, and centers tradition. Right. I said traditional whiteness, should I say that? Yeah, something I'll add to that I, I've been hearing from Nate and Adam is when we talk about and in, in higher ed, we talk right a lot about student centered practices. Um, this idea of centered, centeredness. Um, and when I think of hip hop and I think of hip hop ed, one of the like popular phrases, right, and values in the culture is about that we are always a student. So I'm thinking in my head too that what I, I've always loved about Cypher that when I came on um, as faculty and a team of Brock School Bells is it was, a, it is a space and it is a place for our students. It is also a space and place for us as practitioners as educators and that we are also if we talk about we are always a student then this is a space for us because we are also students and we continue to also grow um so i think to to flip it when we talk about student centered in higher ed i think it can become problematic because then we no longer are at the center either mm. right as educators and then we are not as account held accountable just like our students are mm to help change the system, right? Or be responsible. And that's where then the SWAG framework came in through our mm -hmm. work with Cypher, because then it re it flipped that idea of student-centered to put us also at the center with them to mm. be in co-collaboration and co-conspiracy with students just as much. 
that centering of 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 hip hop, and we're gonna have to break that swag framework down in a second because I just got hype when you said that. But like, all right, it's this, but it's this notion of centering centering hip hop and centering the partnerships that we form with the young people that we work with, so that we both have that that presence. And I just I just gotta say, like, I think this is true on on college campuses, but really it, it runs the gamut across educational spaces. Like, it is not like. Our, our work is ultimately to serve students, but you cannot serve students if you yourself don't feel comfortable in the space. It's impossible. If we're trying to help young people be authentic, then we got to be able to be authentic too, which means that we have to do the work to make sure that we have cultivated spaces where we can bring our full selves to the work. So like for I think a lot of us, that's looked like vibing out with youth in studios because like everybody can be themselves in that space, right? And so like there's, there's, it's not like, I, I sometimes feel guilty or like I guess I have in the past felt guilty when I'm like sent, when I'm focused on trying to make sure that I feel comfortable because then it's just like, well, it's not about me. It's about the young people I'm working with. But like it is all, that's a, it's a means to an end, right? If I don't feel comfortable when I enter that space, it's not going to work for young people. So, like, I think there's something to be said to, like, make sure in whatever educational space that you're in that you are carving out a literal workspace where you can do what you need to do. You are forging the relationships with the people that you need to forge the relationships with so you can make sure that you can do the work that you want to do. Because if you're not, you got to be able to do work you love and engage youth with it, right? It doesn't, it, it, it does not work unless you feel invigorated by it in the same way, right? And so um, perhaps we can go right into that swag framework and break it down and talk through it because that, that feels like the easiest path or the most, you know, yeah, sensible one to go down. Sure. Um, so like Cypher, swag is a, a acronym for a framework, which stands for, uh, it was originally created, um, that I created as a, something for us for us as a counseling framework, which stands for things that we should cover with a student, which were the ideas of um, discovering self um, in the intersections that we of our identities, um, to explore the why with students, to um, help them feel uh, confident and, and strengthen their voice in advocacy and agency to feel like they have control mm -hmm. of their own futures. And then the G is the grit, right? The resilience part that life will happen. It's not gonna be perfect. And then helping them to keep moving forward. That's a simple version. Mm -hmm. um, since creating it, it's it's become so many things. I feel like it's more than anything, a conversation piece, which is what I love because it can evolve just as hip hop does. Right. Um, how it, the big piece where it evolved was that right that i initially created that as this idea of this is okay these are the points you hit with students then as we started to do work with our community engagement and leadership course um as nate and i would just kind of think tank and what we do at coffee shops we just talk through these things kind of like what we're doing today with and how you do it with your podcast mm -hmm. chop it up we started realizing that oh like that idea that we need to explore these things as ourselves as educators so then right. It's a two-fold framework now, um, almost two to three-dimensional, um, right? So you have your student, but then on the other side, what you ask of your students is what you should be practicing and exploring constantly yourself. And then the concept of swag, which also, I've, I've gotten the feedback like, I don't use the word swag. That's okay. That's, that's cool. <laughs> you could say fresh. You could say drip. You could say 
cool, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. It's that idea of the essence of your uniqueness that you bring. Mm. Um, it's how you come into a room and how you show up with the intention of what you look like, what your space looks like. It's about intention and it's about evolution. Cause also, you know, eighties fashion was not the same as nineties. It's not the same as now. Um, me as an individual, that's what I've always loved. Like when we did our RTSB uh, panel, I had straight hair. Now I have a perm. Like I'm always changing. We're always changing. Mm -hmm. And so our practices though in the framework of SWAG should have core concepts for both us and our students, how that looks or what that looks like, how we approach it should always be evolving and changing. Mm. And this, I love it. I love it. And I'm sure we could go in like super depth. Right. And I'm like, you know, I, I, I already know cause I've been fortunate enough to read some of the, the work that you've written around the framing uh, with Nate as well. Um, and so I know the level. So I'm wondering, like, practically what some of this work looks like on campus. Like, if you could take us through, like, what a day, what, what some work, practical, hands-on work with young people looks like in Cypher, maybe pulling from the swag framework or not. But, like, what does this look like practically if I could close my eyes and kind of visualize the work? Well, there's a few things. I mean, shoot. Um, I think the big part of, and swag is sort of uh, integrated in this in this project. We're very big on on community, right? We're talking about incoming students, uh, high school graduating seniors coming in first time in, in college, and really engaging in this in this 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 education through hip hop. And a big part of it is is really amplifying the different cultures and different communities by 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 lifting, you know, hip hop artists that they they vibe with. Right. And so all of that work is community based. But from from as a result of this idea of community, we felt that it was important for us to how do I describe it, create a educational experience that re reflected a block party. Mm. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> you got music, you got people, you got food, you got people interacting, you got performances, you got all of that. And how might we recreate that that space? And so one of the things that we, we do every year is link up with the community space. And one of the community spaces that we linked up with was this local coffee shop. And so one of the projects that I had was, what is your hip hop identity? You know, who are you in relation to hip hop? Mm -hmm. Create that visually because this coffee shop will, will showcase this visual art gallery for the public to see. Because if we're talking about amplifying stories and experiences, mm -hmm. Let's throw some of these visual pieces on top. But guess what? Not all my students are visual artists. They're rappers, they're producers. Well, let's collectivize and create a concert, a, mm -hmm. an event within this space. Well, guess what? I got entrepreneurs now. Oh shoot, let's, let's begin to think through in terms of what they wanna sell, right? So it becomes this big, huge component of, of like intersecting all of the different arts and elements of hip hop while at the same time, teaching them about leadership, teaching mm -hmm. them about identity, teaching them about community, teaching about uh, stress management, goal setting. I mean, everything that you teach in mm -hmm. a counseling college success course is embedded in that work. But mm -hmm. we use the block party as a model and then, and then frame it within the swag framework to produce this. And, and when you see this all come into play, you have now this vibrant coffee shop with live rap performance, 
with beats produced by students and mm -hmm. items sold by students. Now you're bringing in the community and people are like, what? What's the cipher? Where's this at? Skyline? Yo, this is hip hop, right? So what's happening now, when we say we're redefining educational spaces, reimagining, re this is an educational space that a lot of people don't even envision. They're like, yo, this mm -hmm. is a classroom? Mm -hmm. The week before the actual event, I held my class at the coffee shop because I wanted my students to feel the space. Mm -hmm. I wanted to feel the energy with the, with the customers walking in and out, the, the conversations, the art piece they're putting up. So that way that day, that energy was just, just, was just beautiful. And so that is the thing that we like to do every fall is to create this sort of idea of the block party in a space, in a community space, while at the same time, teach all the elements of college success at the same time. One of the fundamental beliefs that I have about this work, counseling and, and hip hop broadly, is that like, it's there, it's not about some academy defined theory it's never going to be that it's always going to be about what the community has already created and how if we tap into that beautiful things happen so i've written about that a little bit i've I, like use the term community defined practice so like ciphers are that uh listening parties are that um open mic nights are that studios are that right but block parties are also that, right? And like what I think what you're pulling from right here, which I love so much, is the natural pathways that the block party offers individuals for development. There's entrepreneurial skills. There's the showcasing of artwork. There's many pipelines for authentic storytelling. There's also skill development. Um, around entrepreneurial skills, but also just like the planning, the preparation, the the facilitation. Uh, I mean, there's everything. And so everything that you would want to come out of um, counseling work, and when I think about college counseling work, like the things that folks will say need to happen for retention, right? So you might be tasked with creating spaces where people feel like they can belong on campus like the block party already is a space for for that right so like like we don't have to rethink a lot we just have to trust in hip-hop so that's one point the second point that's coming out for me that's really big is like you don't go into that space knowing what the outcome is going to look like you go into that space trusting that if youth can create their own experience they're going to create magic like, and I think that's hard for a lot of people because we want curriculum, we want the unit plan, we want to know like what's going to happen on the last day and what am I going to do in minute 14 of my 40 minute lesson. Like, it does not work that way. Counseling does not work that way. It's all process based and hip hop certainly does not work that way. It's just this constant figuring it out as you go and building community and making something dope happen. So like, this coffee shop thing, I imagine that you stumbled into that with youth and now it's become this ongoing thing that you do. But it wasn't like one day you woke up and you were like, I'm going to create amazing block parties around the coffee shop. Like youth it brought, we get into this together um, and it's organic and it's not pre-planned and, and that's hard for a lot of people because they want, well, a lot of the academy wants this planning, right? And, and man, it's, as you funny as you talk about this, like prescriptive uh, request, right? That folks ask for, um, because obviously, you know, they've often been trained in that that manner. Um, it it's, I see the exact same conversations happening when we're thinking about like equity work and anti racism work. Like 
people that are new to that, they're like, well, just tell me the five things, right? Like, tell me the, the things. And it's almost like hip hop is, is, and this community kind of framework might be the way to like start introducing, because there's the other layer of, of that conversation around, like, especially for white folks, like with anti-racism, the discussion of race, that's all just often uncomfortable for them. Um, and not that we need to make it more comfortable for them to get there, but in a sense of finding ways to um, get exposed to the organic flow, right? Exposed to that 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 off the top element that allows this reimagining of, I mean, literally in the classroom, be like, no, nah, you, you don't have to be the teacher. Like the students will teach you. Like, well, I don't know anything about rap or hip hop. Well, that's cool. That's beautiful because the students are now your teachers. And then just that idea of like passing over the rain, like the keys to the car, there's this anxiety of like, that's against everything, every degree I've obtained and this, this, this identity that I've developed, it's counter to all of that. You know what I mean? And so as Nate was laying it out and then you, you know, your recap just made me think of like how that's just pervasive, um, even beyond just thinking about hip hop, like how educators get this um, kind of programmed, they, they, they like feel like they need the program, right? They need the, the just robotic <laughs> prescription, right? To get back to it and hip hop to your point, it's like, nah, man, we just, we just can't be in the box, right? I think to what Freeze is saying too, I, when we talk about equity work and anti-racism work, it's, it's that's like swag too, right? Like uh, someone can come up to me and be like, Kim, I love, your look like I want to I want to pull that off right like they could go get this headscarf they could get the jacket but can they pull it off the same no right because they have to be able that's what swag is they have to be able as an educator as a community worker make it their own right you can learn the language you can learn about the pieces or the concepts of it but until you truly embody it and understand it yourself then it's not gonna be real. So that's why like all, our, all these educators that we have that are like, say they, they'll speak the language, right? Or they wanna use hip hop ed and play the music in their class. But until you truly know the culture and embody it yourself, instead of swag, you're just, you're just whack. Yeah. And embodying it doesn't mean that you even have to like do it, right? I think that's like, it's just, it's, it's, for me, it sounds more about like the appreciation, right? Like, so I'm always riding these lines between like appropriation and appreciation. And so for me, it's like, we, you can, I believe, and it sounds like we're in agreement here, like people can learn to appreciate the culture by experiencing it authentically if they are receptive to experiencing it authentically, of course. But I'd like to believe, and perhaps it's naive of me, that like Nate, if I gave you like a school counseling intern of mine who was like a white woman from an area that's never been in contact with hip hop ever, and she sat through that entire process with you and young people of from square one in the coffee shop to developing a beautiful project, I would be hard pressed to believe that, that that student would not walk away from that process having a deeper appreciation and understanding of hip hop culture. But that's so far from where we are in the preparation of our counselors, right? Like, we're not, right. when are you going to sit through, like, work with youth on creating a block party? Like, that's not, that should be our approach, right? Like, and, and that's so, I mean, 
I'm about to start sending my kids <laughs> out to Cali to rock with y'all <laughs> to get them prepared. But like, but that's got to be it, right? Where it's like, I, there's this appreciation that can be cultivated, and if it's cultivated, then when you go to do it on your own in the future, you can pull it off, right? And that's what I'm hearing. And and if you don't know, then you can't, right? You can't just walk in and try to rock out with this work if you've never done it before, and if you know nothing about the culture, it does not work. Uh, you have to understand it and and have seen it and appreciate it. Yeah, and and you know that as you're talking, it's making me think of that that moment when Nate, when you came through the class, when you're doing some of your data collection um, and the research, is this this idea that even within hip hop, like even if you are versed in like you know like you are a practitioner or whatever, you still don't know, right? Like the youth show up with a new bag that's not the same bag that I'm in, right? And for me to be authentic and like be open to them offering me something that I don't, you know, that's not in my, my bag of, of how I understand hip hop and engage in it. Like it's not, it doesn't, doesn't shut off. Right. Like once you've mm. earned that, that, that in, you know what I mean? Quote unquote. Um, and so how we, how we even as, as hip hop, like identified hip hop practitioners or hip hop ed heads, like how do we even stay consistent in in valuing new voices, right? Because there's you know this old head, new head, you know that that's just it goes on and on, right? Um, and there was a there was a um, an act uh, an activity that we were doing in the class where it was called the synonym of dope, right? And I talked about like how you share, like how you articulate celebration or how you articulate you know how you have and and often we have a word that like means multiple things right mm. and so i said like like dope like i love using the word dope like in just different ways like y'all are dope like the kicks i got on today are dope like you know what i mean and so <laughs> i put it on the board and then i just had the class like all right but what's your version of dope because it's just as important and the one we want to share with each other so you know that like you're not the only one that actually uses it right mm. and so then there was this it became just this larger conversation about valuing your voice, valuing how you navigate and move through the world. And it opened me up to be like, oh, yeah, these cats, actually some of them do say don't. Like, oh, okay. And and it just sparks new ways to, to access, right, how we we communicate feelings and, and and also, you know, that we create a space that that welcomes, right, things that maybe, uh, especially when you think about that longstanding programming where they think like whoever's in the front of the room, whatever they say is right right is, is the only way right but now if we open up this this larger piece of, of conversation where we can value that that it's it you know it puts us to task to, to stay stay fresh right to stay not copying like that jacket and that scarf that i might try to flip but i'm gonna do it a little different and do it my way and make kim where you're like ooh, okay i see how you did that scarf all right now i gotta remix it and, get, and come my own way right exactly so for sure i just want to you know, you said something freeze that just kind of like it's 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 so endemic in the work that we do, particularly at Cipher. Um, you know, we have so many dope community heads, hip hop heads, um, hip hop practitioners um, that that may not necessarily have the the educational academic uh, degrees to show for, um, but they certainly have so much wisdom and knowledge that they could bring into the classroom. So I'm constantly bringing these 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 folks in because. I mean, on the surface level, you know, the students don't have to listen to me all the time every day in class. Now they got this new, this guest speaker, guest presenter, you know what I mean? Um, to, to be able to kind of, you know, kick game for them or, or show them the different elements of hip hop. 
But what I love about, and, and this is from the experiences of, of my guest speakers who do come in, they really appreciate the time sitting with at the coffee shop and really mapping out what the class can look like, mm. right? And, and so, for example, um, you know, we have our, our, our cats, uh, formerly the School of Martial Arts and Hip Hop, now the Marisol Academy, um, DJ Joel, MC Joel and DJ Bite Size. They're, they, they are one of the phenomenal hip hop performers out in the Bay Area. I mean, we got DJ Bite Size, who's just such a, such a beast on the tables. Mm. And so one day we was, we were sitting in the coffee shop, just kind of like breaking down, how do we want to facilitate this class around turntablism? Mm. And then, you know, how do, how might we, we intersect uh, a topic around college success and what would that be? Mm. And we came up with this idea of like, uh, you know, a lot of times students come with this, this idea that they can't do things like I can't do mm. this. You know, they have it already in their heads. I'm not good at math, or I'm not good at writing essays. I'm not good at this. And so what we had to do is we brought we brought the tables into the classroom and we had everybody get on the tables after her demonstrating the different techniques, right? And everybody had to go through that. And as you could probably imagine, a lot of these kids were like, some of them were on it, yeah, let me do this. And there's some that were kind of like, oh, I don't want to, but ultimately everyone touched the tables. Mm. But then we had DJ Bite Size, who is not in, a, you know, a, a quote unquote educator facilitate a discussion about what did that mean to you to hop on the tables when you said you couldn't do it? Sure. And that just kind of led into these conversations. So here we are utilizing the element of hip hop and turntablism, including an individual who's now having this, this, this uh, experience in educating others. Now she wants to be a teacher, a future mm -hmm. teacher, right? She's mm -hmm. so, she's so hooked on it. It's like, yo, Nate, give me some more opportunities while at the same time exploring some of the, the nuances and experiences that our students are experiencing uh, in their everyday lives. And her last question to the class was, take this moment, apply it to your math, apply it to English. If you can do turntablism, can you at least try to do math, mm. right? And so whether they did it or not, she planted the seed. And, and that's through hip hop, right? Mm. Hip hop did that, you know what I mean? Yes. You know, so um, so I want people to understand that you know we're not over there just rapping lyrics to a syllabus, but we're we're incorporating the aesthetics of hip hop to integrate and intersect in the topics that we teach in college success in personal development. Hip hop is like this the these ways of knowing and being right that you're highlighting here, and I think that's what's rooted in the swag framework is that it, it's it's going back to what we said at the beginning of the pot. It transcends lyrics. When DMX is rhyming, I, I, the lyrics are dope, don't get me wrong, but I'm feeling something else. And what I'm feeling is that is that it's harder to define. It's 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 kind of nebulous. Like I don't I don't know. I can't I can't quantify that. You you know, I can't create a rubric around that. Like but it's there, right? There's that resilience is there, that swag is there, that way of knowing and being unapologetically presenting self. Like all of that is there and is rooted in hip hop that f ability to stay fresh or to flip things. Like all of that is hip hop and there's people that have talked a lot about that, but like there's I just I, I love this example because the the DJ is coming in with everything that we need because the DJ is coming in with the knowledge of hip hop, and and with the knowledge of hip hop comes the knowledge of resilience and comes the ability to show youth who identify with hip hop that within them the resilience already exists, and that they gotta they gotta let it shine and if they let it shine, 
then it can be applied in these other venues and you can crush these other venues because that math is light, especially when you can do this turntable stuff. Like, and so, but you learn that through mastering the craft because you learn to like understand yourself at a deeper level. And so I, I love that. And, and it's wild that like simple policies, this is why like racist policies will be the end of us. Simple policies will say, well, that DJ don't have a license as an educator though. So, you know, I don't know if they can teach a class. But like they're way better at teaching that concept, um, this concept of resilience and and you know and pushing back against the the self doubt that we tell ourselves in this example, perhaps than any other person on the campus. But yet they might be barred because the traditional approach doesn't get there. And I think that's really important as we consider as we continue to engage in hip hop scholarship that we push back against even people within the hip-hop spaces that are saying, like, well, you can only do this if you have a PhD, or you can only do this if you've done... Like, no. Like, this is, this is possible because of community. And so community has to be center. Like, that block party has to be the center of the whole thing because the community has the knowledge, right? Um, and anyway, so that that's just some thought. But I love that. Are there any other last, like... And, like I don't know, you both, like Adam and, and Nate, you just kind of dropped some dope, like practical things. You did like a lesson on dopeness and we had this little DJ lesson, so I don't want to put you on the spot here, Kim, but does anything like practical come to mind in terms of like some recommendation maybe for like, you know, what, what, what can somebody do? Yeah, for sure. I think um, even as we were coming on to the podcast, I was thinking about this, that something that is immediate, especially given that we are in this space still and I think though our administrators of this country are in a delusional space. I think we're going to be in this for a while still. Um, I was thinking about the idea of swag really takes the idea and the importance of aesthetic, right? Which is a piece about hip hop that we talk about, especially in hip hop ed scholarship. That's important. I was thinking about the idea that as we exist in these virtual spaces um, that we often, I've heard often is like a bad thing um, or it's, you know, it's limiting that it actually can, we, we need to be able to take virtual and turn it into a visual strength for us. And that's where mm -hmm. the aesthetic comes in of swag. A practical thing then a lot of counselors or educators can do is what's right behind us. Like what is in this square for each of us? And that's the, that politics of space too. The, the, the thing I love about swag is I'm, I, like I said, I love fashion. I love how I come forward every day because everything in this square that I have is intentional, right? Mm -hmm. Everything says something about me for you to learn about me without having to say it, right? Beyond the lyricism, it's beyond that. And how I dress and all of that intention is really a respect to you all, right? To come with it, to show up. It's a respect to the practice and it's a respect to the students, right? That I can be intentional and not just sit in my office or my room and just let it be, but let me use this as an opportunity mm -hmm. to create a narrative and a story of who I am today that can, can be communicated to you. And then what often happens that I've found in counseling appointments is students start to reflect that. Mm -hmm. Then they start to liven up their rooms. They want to talk mm -hmm. to me about the things they're working on in their spaces that like changed up um, the vibe for them. They move their desk into a brighter space. Um, so that's something that's so tangible, but yet so powerful that we can mm -hmm. do even right now during the pandemic still. Still like there's wild. eyeballs on me. Oh, yeah. Still like <laughs> eyeballs on me. Now I got to go redo my whole backdrop. Like. <laughs> <laughs> 
Nah, but it's so true. And like Kim, the, the, your backgrounds are always popping. Like I actually, always. it's funny because I've we've been on like all of us have been on calls like a few times. So I feel like, and I might be wrong here, but I feel like last time we were on a call, the the we got us poster was well, not there. So yeah. when you came on, I was like, yo, that's dope. Like I noticed a new thing. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> I even noticed a small change in the background. So like youth are noticing that too, right? right. And and they take note sure. of that and. And it's and I love that. Like when I saw it, I was like, "Oh, that's really awesome, right?" And so, like, I just think that there's, yes, that that aesthetic piece is everything, and it matters in the virtual space as much as it matters in the physical space. Like, mm-hmm. how are we, how are we designing spaces? And I think with youth, right? Like the 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 unique thing we have right now in this virtual space is like, I I can only design my own backdrop because like we're social distance and I'm the only one in my office. So obviously I'm only designing this what's behind me. But when we're in spaces physically with young people for like 15 weeks of a semester or whatever, Mm -hmm. you can engage in designing the aesthetics of the space with them to create a space with young people through dialogue that makes people feel comfortable and authentic and and like all of that can be a part of the counseling process. I love like that that piece on aesthetics I think is so important. And, and you know what's dope and as you're talking about that it's as you and, and you know the funny thing is you're going to like do all this flipping and like editing of like the layout of the space or whether you're playing music and that kind of thing all with the intention of making an impact and sometimes you don't know, right? The impact, like you, you might go a whole semester and not a word anybody says like, oh, that's a dope painting or wow, you like, I love when you play beats, right? But then the minute you change something, right? Like I think in the class, like one time I wasn't playing beats, like I use my Zoom spaces, I always start off like get the energy, like it's cracking, right? Mm-hmm. And the one time I did, and I think I was having some technical issues that I didn't like, they was like, ain't nobody really said anything about it anyways. Boom, first it was like, man, what happened to the beats? Oh. I was looking forward mm-hmm. to that. Like literally looking forward to it, right? Like, mm-hmm. so that that's actually something that is inviting them into the space. And so there's things that we're doing when you're intentional that it's not about looking for validation from them, right? It's not like they're, you don't show up and do it for them to be like, wow, Mr. Nace got like these, this dope artwork, like amazing, mm, right? True. Like, nah, you just lay it out there. And if it hits, it hits. Yeah. But you're being your authentic self in that process and you're modeling, right? And, and when yeah. you pivot out of that, they'll adjust and see the shift and, and discuss it with you, right? Like, yeah. wow, I see you not doing that anymore. Like, damn, I didn't even know you were paying attention to that. Like, yeah, I'm reading your whole authentic plate and you shifted it. And man, since we built that rapport, let's talk about it, right? Yeah. Mm. And so that's, you know, I, I the same thing. I'm 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 a stand for for Kim's backdrops and her whole vibe. So you know what I mean? <laughs> that's that's just what I I'm, I'm a fan. Yeah. <laughs> and it's authenticity and deviations from authenticity and knowing that and trusting that youth are going to call us out when we deviate and being okay with being called out by youth if you deviate and then talking it through and figuring out how to adjust, right? Like nobody is bet like hip hop is the best like lie detector in the world. Like 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 that real recognized real is crazy. Like if we could bottle that up, we'd solve so many issues <laughs> in this world like because it's there's something there where it's like, you know, the young people we work with can can spot a lie and spot fakeness a mile away and they're not afraid to name it. And so you got to show up you, right? And don't expect to get rewarded for showing up you either. Just show up uh, you, you know? I feel like that that's yeah. another, that's a whole other topic about like straight up our world and, and validation externally. But like, yo, like we just got to be real. And, and I think that that's what I'm getting from this. That's what DMX has preached to us to bring it all the way back, right? Like being forward moving, 
pushing through, tapping into things that are inherent to hip hop, like resilience, um, you know, and authenticity, to figure out what life is for us. Right. And that that's man, that's that that being transparent and authentic and true to yourself, like to the DMX point, this brother was like juggling, or not juggling, but just dealing with and sharing and articulating all the struggles that he's that he's bearing, right? That he's carrying. And still amidst all of that, still gonna show up and keep you 100, right? Still show mm-hmm. up fully transparent. But what about me? Like, now I got a job. Like, I'm things are like pretty much going well, and I'm I, I can opt out of being transparent and authentic. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. he literally like is tasking everybody to be the true self, right? And and I mean, like amidst the storm, still going to be 100 himself, right? And that's that's amazing. That's something that's profound, especially as we you know the landscape of of how we present ourselves is is manipulated through social media spaces and that kind of thing. Like, nah, bro, it was like, man, this is me. Make sense of it. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter, I'm gonna be me, right? And so much power in that. Well, we're, we're running right up on time here, but I just wanted to, well, first, thank you all for, for being here, but just give you a chance maybe just to go around, say a couple final, maybe reflective thought on the dialogue and also plug yourself, like any anything you want to share, if somebody can find you somewhere, if they want to reach out to you, you know, just let, we can wrap up that way. Well, first off, I mean, um, really appreciate this space. Um, I'm still vibing off the last event um, that we did with Let's Get Free with the Hip Hop Based Counseling Practices. Um, my thought, my final thought, it really is is a, an extension of that. That that work is continuing, and just sort of kind of reporting back in terms of the survey that that many of the attendees had had shared is that they want more. That that there there is so much that they would love to learn about hip hop based counseling practices that they could begin to to integrate and to learn from and to to build with their with their students. So I think we're we're at that place in time, uh, particularly now that we're we're in this virtual space to do so much impactful work and and to be able to open up to hip hop pedagogy as as a means to be one of the things that we can utilize um, in mm-hmm. bridging that gap and helping our students. Um, so there's so much work that we can do with Cipher and Rock the School Bells. If 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 folks want to follow us, uh, we got our Instagram account at Rock the School Bells. Uh, we also have at Cypher Skyline College. If you want to see the behind the scenes, you can even see the coffee shop joint. There's some videos up in there. There's some pictures, some artwork. So you can kind of see that on there. So you can kind of see the visuals and how that came to be. Um, so yeah, so that's 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 me, Nate Novato, out at Skyline. go next my, my final thoughts are appreciation for you ian um thank you so much for inviting us to your podcast and just for even starting this i got to listen to your other episodes that are posted and i myself have been learning from them still oh, and dope. really appreciate it um I, like i've told you too i'm so excited that we're beginning to collaborate more that's a thing to me that is a benefit of what we've been going through in the pandemic is that it's called to action ourselves as hip-hop ed uh, heads and educators is how can we be creative and utilize this again to our advantage and I hope that we continue to do more things like this together even in virtual spaces if we can't be together uh, physically especially being on different coasts so I'm definitely looking forward to that more um, just to kind of echo what Nate said uh, 
with Rock the School Bells, you know, we still wanted to be able, though it usually is a day conference annually for both youth and educators in our community in the Bay, we still wanted to be able to provide um, some virtual events. So we actually still have a couple of events coming up. Um, one being we've um, done a fundraiser where we are bringing DJs globally um, to be able to spin and raise money for scholarships. So please check us out on the Instagram accounts and the website that Nate mentioned. Um, myself, uh, I also do poetry, uh, photography, just visual art in general. So please definitely um, check me out too. My Instagram's Kim Davalos, D-A-V-A-L-O-S. Um, it's a public Instagram. I used to think that was funny in grad school when they would tell us to make, you know, th that whole talk about when do you add your students on social media? I'm like, now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, if I'm going to be my authentic self and model for my students and they're my community, yeah. then why not make ourselves accessible on these spaces as well? So uh, please hit me up uh, and follow. So, um, man, this I, I've said this in our previous conversations, like. One, this the pandemic, this this moment remind me how much I miss being in person, because like, mm -hmm. you know, when we shut this mic off we can just continue because like, man, I just enjoy being in spaces with y'all. Like, it's just, I'm honored, right? To to just absorb, you know, whether it's the fly scarf or some knowledge that you, you know, you're sharing. It's like, it, it's something special um, to be in the space, man. So, so thank y'all um, for that. And I, I look forward to, always look forward to more moments like that. Um, so we also are doing Rock the School Bells out in SAC. I forget that I didn't mention that at the beginning. Um, also got a hip hop ed uh, nonprofit that does a bunch of community work called Low End Theory Collaborative. Also about to open up a record shop called Twelves Wax. So you can find us on IG hey. at Twelves Wax. Um, and then you can find me on IG at Freeze Life. Um, and you know, like I said, I'm an artist. And so, you know, when, when, when Ian hit me, it was like, man, we got eight bar thing. Everybody, I figured everybody's showing up with eight bars. You know what I mean? I thought that's what it was. <laughs> so. I wrote a little something. I'm just gonna get it off since you know I was gonna let it go. Yo, and win. close us out with some rhymes, bro. Yeah, that's the way to do it. So I went from barely passing classes to adding doctorates to the pile. Step on campus with bars aiming for anyone with a title. That ain't doing nothing for students and they survival. Give a listen and buck the system. Revolution is vital. I turn a class into a cipher. Turn take a dark place, make it brighter. I'm parts John Brown and rock him just lighter. Raised on tunes <laughs> for the people, so guess that I'm a lifer. Bottom of the business card reads illest of rhyme writers. Let's go. Yo, Yo, that was dope. That was dope. <laughs> there it is. Go ahead, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that's the other piece, man. Like, yeah, ciphers, man. Come on. Man. I know. So I'll I got you on one because like this is we're turning this into like you can't drop a rhyme and then not have a rhyme drop back. You know yeah, what I mean? Like that's yeah, kind of how this yeah, goes. So let me, let me, I'll just really, really, really quick. Uh, <laughs> da, 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 da. So it goes, um, sometimes I forget where I've been that my legacy requires disrespect from them kids. I'm hella tired from living, teaching and writing this ish. 
I swear these biters check my CV and don't like it a bit. I keep it moving. I'm steady with the aims and the scope always shooting. Invited to the game, hella honored for the tutelage. Operate in lineage and movements and wrote a book about it ass rootledge. I started out on 2-5th when I was in the music and scholarship was distant. Big bro told me do this. Fast forward doc student, that run we had was stupid. It wasn't complex to CNN because we knew it. But it's funny how with times and isolation you can lose it or more. I hit that booth up in my closet. I done used it before and sort through enemies and enemies who challenge my core and if y'all want to see a blueprint come and audit my course because y'all i'm still here Ooh, the inner, inner. See, now you gotta make me jump, jump on the site <laughs> come on man that's now it's officially a lunch you know what i mean let's room cypher podcast i don't got nothing written but i'm just Set gonna the bar man the get it see get you know, it. about the boxes i see i don't come last i'm over here with the lunchrooms uh podcast look I may not have the money to stack it, but I'm looking at my boy Ian with his blue jean jacket. But look, mm. man, I'm here for it to be the star. Looking at going around and I go real far. Now, I knew I never lose, I never have won, but Tupac said you've never had it done. So believe this, existence, resistance, you know that I'm here every time they go here, every year with a seer like a cypher. I'm going up with hyper. Understand that I'm not rowdy like the Roddy Piper. Mm. Shoot, man. I go in three threes with my homie 12 stacks records over here with Adam Freeze. Shoot, hey. going out with the elbow smash. That's how I'm going to do with this rhymes that I crash. Hey. I'm out. With a DMX staccato at the, staccato at the end. I feel yeah. you. <laughs> oh. Now there's this pause where it's like, is Kim going to jump in? But no, it's all right. Kim is not. Kim is not. <laughs> no, she is not. She's been free. I was telling Nate, uh, actually from our panel, because this happens all the time with our cypher students, like, okay. right? A, free, yeah. a freestyle cypher happens, and then they're like, Kim, it's your turn. And I'm like, nope, nope, I'm Yo. a poet. But I, I, I was telling him that during the panel, our last one that we mm. all did together, y'all made me realize, I was like, wow, I think I actually am a freestyle. I freestyle on panels all the time. Yeah. Um, yep. But in this type, I'll let y'all have this one. Yeah. Now I can tell your body language. You already just lean back like, mm-hmm. That's a wrap, B. Like, shut it down after that one. Good job. <laughs> I love it. What an amazing dialogue. Thank you all for being here. I'm going to post all the links that you, um, or the handles that y'all shouted out. Um, and we're going to get this out as soon as possible because we got to do it for DM. <laughs> <laughs>